Good morning, church. Happy Father's Day. I'm so excited to be with you all this morning. My name's Stephen Pollitt. I'm the discipleship pastor here. And a week ago uh, today, I was watching Dave do a fantastic job online. And while I was looking at Dave's face on the screen, I also had a view of the beach and the ocean. And it was so beautiful. And it was great. Um, but there's also nothing like being at church and being home. Uh, and so I'm happy to be here with my brothers and sisters in Christ this morning. Um, and so, uh, again, thank you for allowing me uh, to be able to dive into God's Word um, with y'all this morning. But again, um, happy Father's Day. Uh, dads, I, w- I want you to know um, I see you working hard. I-, I see y'all loving your family well. And I want us to, to, to celebrate well um, today. And so our, our introduction, our, our scripture reference, everything is going to be centered around um, dads, but we're all going to be able to glean so much from God's Word um, today. Um, but I know Father's Day is, can be a, a little weird when it comes to like buying the gift for the dad. I know some of y'all might have already opened up your ugly ties this morning or whatever um, the, the gift was, but it's hard to get presents for dads sometimes. It's like, what do you get somebody that typically already has um, everything? Or they, they just, when they need something, they just go out and, and get it themselves. And I know um, for me, you know, speaking to myself, I know I tend to have this deal where it's like, I don't want to have to, to need somebody for something. I'm very kind of self-reliant. I know that tends to be a, a dad um, trait. And so if we need something, we, we just go and get it. Um, and so I know how challenging it could be to get those gifts and, and to celebrate Father's Day. I also know, you know, in a lot of churches this morning, I saw a lot of funny skits and videos this week uh, about this, but like Mother's Day comes around and it's all flowers and everybody's cheering and it's amazing. And then Father's Day and you give the pastor a reason uh, to just like pour in to tell you how awful you are as a, as a dad and as a human being. So we're not going to do that today. We're going to draw encouragement from, from God's Word. Um, but Father's Day uh, traditionally... Um, for me, it can be challenging. I know it can be challenging um, for a lot of us. And it's challenging for me because of family situation. I know a lot of y'all know the, the story of my childhood and know the, the story with my dad and my parents. And, um, you know, my dad has struggled for, for many years. So I continue to pray for, for covet your, your prayers um, for my dad. Um, but Father's Day was extremely challenging for, for many, many years. Um, my dad, just because of some of the challenges he was, he wasn't able to be present a lot. And then when he was present, it was still um, just not fully uh, what a dad is, is supposed to be or, or called to be. So whenever Father's Day came around, I, I would struggle a lot with celebrating that day because a lot of what my perception of what a father is, I would be bitter towards my earthly father. And then I would also be bitter towards my heavenly father because I didn't have what I felt I needed as a, a earthly father. Um, and so a lot of that, that pain that comes with that and celebrating Father's Day, it, it built this mindset of, um, I'm just going to rely on myself. And, and I had this very self-reliant, uh, self-relying attitude um, towards God, towards others, towards everything. And even my faith as a young kid, um, I felt like I could earn my salvation. I could just I, if I just didn't do all the things that other kids were doing, um, then I was going to be okay. I could do it all myself. And, of course, we know through Scripture and knowing who God is that, that that's, that's not true. But I tell you all that to give you some encouragement from, from one of my favorite books and to let you know what has helped me 
um, now not only celebrate Father's Day, but absolutely, like, I adore it. I love Father's Day. Um, but one of my favorite books is called To Own a Dragon. It's by Don, Donald Miller. And one of my favorite quotes in that book, it says, a biological father is a metaphor for God. If the metaphor messes up, it's, if the metaphor messes up, it's the metaphor's fault. It's not God's. And so that doesn't sound very encouraging, but here's the encouragement that I, that I draw from it. As a kid, blaming my dad and blaming God for the situation that I was in, it, it, it allowed me to be bitter when I shouldn't have been bitter, that I had several things that I could really, really lean on when it came to Father's Day. Um, and, and so those several things that helped me is celebrating my Heavenly Father, knowing that I have a good Father in heaven that thought so much of me that he would send his son, that he would sacrifice for me. And that revelation changed everything for Father's Day for me, that I have a, a Father that created the heavens and the earth, the, the biggest name above all names, and he thought so much of me that he would send his son to die for me. That caused me to celebrate Father's Day in a totally different, different manner. Um, the, the next thing that helped me is that I got to, to start to celebrate um, the forgiveness that comes through knowing who Jesus Christ is. And so what I've started to realize is that we're all just broken metaphors, that I too am a broken metaphor, desperate in need of, of the love from a heavenly father, desperately needing the salvation that can only come um, through Jesus Christ. And so once I understood that I was just a broken metaphor as well, it allowed me to truly forgive my dad. And so now I can truly celebrate Father's Day because there's a level of forgiveness there that's never been there um, before. And, and so I get to celebrate in a different manner. The next thing that I get to celebrate is God has gifted me with, with different fathers that I have. Uh, my grandfather who raised me, who sacrificed so much to start over again. And invest so much into me. And I have my father-in-law, Jeff, who, like, it's amazing to see him be a dad to his two girls and his, his son, and now his son-in-laws and daughter-in-law. I have spiritual mentors like Randy and Blake and Conway and Dave and Tommy, like so many men and so many men that are sitting in this room right now that have invested a ton into me that I get to celebrate them as fathers today. And so we have a lot to celebrate. We have a lot to rejoice in. And so the last thing uh, that, that I want to give you, that, that, that quote, again, was a, a, a biological father is a metaphor for God. If the metaphor messes up, it's the metaphor's fault. It's not God, that we're all just broken metaphors. But we live in the forgiveness that comes through knowing Jesus Christ. So like bitterness doesn't belong in our hearts. Dismay and discouragement doesn't belong in our hearts, but to be able to rejoice in the blessing that God has given for us. So whatever Father's Day is for you, if it's challenging, if it's difficult, if it's amazing that you get to celebrate with your families, the biggest overarching thing is that we have a Heavenly Father that loves us more than anything, and He gives us so much blessing. So if you have your Bibles, I want you to open up um, to Psalm 128. And so again, there, there's encouragement in knowing that we are all 
broken and depending on a heavenly father that thought so much of us to send his son. And so we're going to gain a lot of encouragement from Psalm 128 today. And so let's read that together. And starting in verse 1, it says, um, Blessed are all who fear the Lord, who walk in obedience to him. You will eat the fruit of your labor. Blessing and prosperity will be yours. Your wife will be like a fruitful vine within your house. Your children will be like olive shoots around your table. Yes, this will be a blessing for the man who fears the Lord. May the Lord bless you from Zion. May you, may you see the prosperity of Jerusalem all the days of your life. And may you live to see your children's children. Peace be on Israel. So this psalm, whether it's written by Solomon or, or, or some other author, what it is, is it's encouraging the men before they come to the temple, before they celebrate the feast of Israel, it is encouraging them to know what, where their blessing lies. It says to fear the Lord. Um, you'll have this and this and this. This will come if we fear the Lord. And so there's, there's several things that stick out to me um, in this psalm, and it's only six verses, and there's so much encouragement. There's so much um, packed into these six verses, but you see it over and over. You see um, blessing, you see joy, you see happiness, you see prosperity, you see peace. And so as I was preparing this sermon, I was looking at several different studies on what, what produces happiness, what produces joy. And these three things and all the different studies that I looked at uh, is what, what produces joy in people. Um, number one, the thing that produces joy in every study that I looked at um, was faith. Having a faith in a higher power, having faith in God, um, produces happiness in people's life. Number two was the knowledge of how to pursue that happiness. And what I mean by that is that they have the knowledge to know um, that, that things can get better, that, that they can be forgiven, um, that whether they're living in a time of joy or whether they're living in a time uh, of dismay, that there's the possibility for things to, to get better. So they have the knowledge of how to pursue, pursue joy um, and happiness. The third thing that stood out in all these studies uh, was simplicity. That um, it wasn't ever the pursuit of riches. It wasn't ever the pursuit of being uh, promoted in your job. It wasn't ever those things that, that pushed people's mindset to say, this is what gives me joy. This is what gives me happiness. It was the simple things. And being surrounded by family, being surrounded by friends, um, investing in their kids. Those, those simple things um, is what started to, produce, started to be the formula for what produces um, happiness. And one of the things that stood out to me when you look at Psalm 128, it's the simplicity of it. Like there, there's, there's not a whole lot of deep theological things that we have to tear apart. It's the simplicity of knowing who God is. And being blessed through our, our, our pursuit of him. And, and so we're going to examine that verse by verse today. And so again, if you have your Bibles, we're going to look in verse 1. It says, blessed are all who fear the Lord, who walk in obedience to him. So let's examine what it looks like to really fear the Lord. Because that's a weird concept, to fear something and, and to, to also be madly in love with it. And can those two things exist? And so what we mean uh, by fear is to have a reverence for his power, to have a reverence for God the Father. And how do we develop that reverence for him? It's understanding who he is and what he's done for us and the extent of the power that comes in knowing who he is and calling on Jesus' name. So fear of the Lord is having a reverence for him, right? 
And so in verse 1, blessed are all who fear the Lord. Blessed are all who have a reverence for a heavenly Father. Blessed are all who have a reverence for God. And so what does it look like for us to have a reverence for him? And so for me, it's the knowledge that if I get away from him, all I bring is destruction. It's the knowledge that, that anytime I'm separated from God, there's not a whole lot of joy in my heart. Anytime I'm not pursuing him fully, there's not a whole lot of happiness. It tends to breed destruction. And so that knowledge, it's been given to, to us through our own personal experience. It's been given to us through us witnessing others toil in their relationship with God, whether they fear him and have a reference for him and they, they fall madly in love with him, or whether they push against him. We see it lived out uh, through others. And it's gained through the knowledge of his word that we've been given this scripture, we've given this Bible that we can personally know exactly who he is, the full extent of what he's done for us and what it means to truly pursue him. And so the second part of verse 1, it says, uh, so the one who walks in obedience for him. So blessed are those who fear the Lord, who have a reverence for him, and those who walk in obedience, who pursue him. But again, as we look back, that, that we're all broken metaphors. We all fall short. And so that we have this desperate need for a father and for Jesus Christ who died on the cross um, for us, but obedience is part of our walk. So it's not perfection, it's obedience. He calls us to know who he is, to be reverent in his power and knowing exactly what he's done for us and then walking in his ways. And then in verse 2, it says, you will eat the fruit of your labor, blessing and prosperity will be yours. And so here's what I want you to know before we, we tear apart this second verse. Salvation comes through Jesus Christ and Jesus alone. It's, it's nothing we can earn. There's nothing we can do uh, to earn salvation. You can bring 100 million pounds of canned food for the food pantry this week, and it doesn't earn your salvation. Salvation comes through Jesus Christ alone. But church, what this verse tells us is that our effort matters. When it comes to our relationship with Jesus Christ, when it comes to our relationship with God, our effort means something. So what we put in to that relationship in studying God's word, in living out the things that he's called us to do, stepping into a calling that he has for us, living in obedience, right? Our effort matters. You get what you, you put into things in a lot of ways. So I don't want us to get caught up in what, what cultural success is. I don't want us to get caught up in what cultural prosperity is as we talk about this second verse. What I want you to think about is your relationship with God. What I want you to think about is your relationship with your families. And so what this call is in verse 2, it says you will eat the fruit of your labor. Blessing and prosperity um, will be yours. Your, your fruit of your labor is your investment in your relationship with this God that loves you more than anything else. The fruit of your labor is your investment in your family and your friends and those people that are surrounded with you is are you walking in obedience? So here's the thing. Labor is not easy, but blessing is what is promised. So even though we're just broken metaphors, we serve a God that's not. We serve a God that's not. And so the labor that he calls us uh, to, to walk into with him so that we can experience that blessing and that prosperity 
it, it can be challenging at times. It can be difficult at times. We have relationships that are hard to per- pursue. It's difficult to sacrifice everything in pursuit of knowledge of, of God's Word. These things don't always come easy, but blessing is what is promised. And then in verse 3, it says, Your wife will be like a fruitful vine within your house. Your children will be like olive shoots around your table. So I'm going to start telling Natalie that she's a fruitful vine, and we'll see how far that compliment goes in my house. Um, but what does it look like for your wife to be a fruitful vine? You know, for me, I started to think through those moments when, when I'm fully investing um, in my wife, and I'm being the husband that I've called um, to be. I see godliness a lot of times in her. I see a joyful heart. Intimacy in our relationship exists unlike any other time before. And nothing makes me happier is to see, as a husband, to see joy on my wife's heart. And not because her husband is so awesome, but because she's been blessed by a heavenly father with a husband who's trying his hardest, who's just a, a broken metaphor, who's trying his hardest to pursue joy in our home. So I've realized through years of being married that, that I have the capability of producing joy in our house, or I have the, fully the capability of producing bitterness as well. And so if I fear the Lord and I have reverence for who he is and I walk in his ways and I love my wife as Christ loves the church, it produces joy in her. We have the, the capability to produce joy in others if we're pursuing God the way that we're called to pursue him. And so, guys, you know, we're, we're called to love our wives as Christ loved the church. And wives, you know, you're called to, to submit to him. But something that I've learned through, through my years of marriage and, and seeing it modeled in, in good ways and see it modeled in negative ways, but submission cannot be self-destructive. So if your view of submission is your wife having to to be self-destructive to herself, you have a poor view of what submission actually is. And what I want to encourage you to do is have reverence, have fear of what the Lord, who he is and what he's done for you. I want you to walk in obedience of his ways, and I want you to explore what it truly means to love your wife, to truly mean to sacrifice for her as Christ loves us and he sacrificed for us, to pour out everything for her. So that submission will not be self-destructive, but it will be a joyful act of unity between a husband and a wife pursuing God together. You know, I love the second part of verse 3 as well. It says, your children will be like olive shoots around your table. So I love this scripture. Um, The reason why I love it says your children will be like olive shoots. They're not yet trees. They're just little branches. They're, They're just new growth. Um, for, for the kingdom. So that new growth is not yet a tree, and it speaks to the, poten- the potential that our children have, and that one day they're going to produce shade, they're going to produce fruit, they're going to produce so much um, blessing, they're going to produce stability to our land. It's what trees do. And one, le- one theologian that I read for this, he refers Uh, to the next generation as our best natural resource, and we must invest in them heavily. So 
our children will be like olive shoots around our table. They're not quite yet producing the shade that a tree does. They're not quite yet producing the fruit that the olive tree produces. They're not quite yet bringing stability into your home, into the land. If they're children like mine, they're, they're probably not bringing a whole lot of stability towards anything just yet. But they have potential. And it says we must invest in them fully. So if you ever, as, as an adult, do you ever like look at your kids or, 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 or think back to a time when your kids are little, and do you ever wonder like, what were they going to be like when they become adults? Like, what, what are they going to do? Like, what's going to be their occupation? And like, I, I look at my kids and I think often like, this one might be a pastor. And then the next day is like, he might be the warden of a prison. I just don't like, who knows? <laughs> and so I, I have that question often, and it reminded me of a story when I was a kid. And my grandmother took me to the grocery store. The grocery store that we had in town was called the A&P. Um, and we were buying our groceries, and this was before the days of online pickup. You actually had to walk inside of a grocery store. I know a lot of us have forgotten what inside of a grocery store looks like these days. Um, but you have to walk inside, and you check out, and we're checking out, and there's a gumball machine at the exit of this grocery store. And I asked my grandmother, can I have a quarter because I want this gumball? And she said, no. So I was like, okay. So I look at the gumball machine. I was like, I think I can get a gumball on my own. So I walk to the gumball machine, and I slide my hand inside the gumball, and sure enough, my hand, it gets stuck. And then panic. I turn red. I start to sweat, and I'm shaking. I can't get my hand out of the gumball machine. And I'm looking around, and there's a crowd starting to gather around me, and my grandmother comes up, and I can't help but think now as an adult, like all of them looking at me is like thinking, like, I wonder what this kid's going to be when he grows up. <laughs> and... So they're kind of like talking me through it. They're pulling on my arm. They're trying to get uh, my, my hand out. And this crowd that comes around, this man um, comes over and goes, Stephen. I go, yeah. He goes, are you holding on to something? I was like, yes, sir. <laughs> and he goes, is it gumball? I was like, yeah, I got one. He's like, Stephen, just let it go. And so as soon as I let go of that gumball, my hand slides right out of the machine, and we're good to go. And so I think about that moment, and I think about that crowd that's standing around and they're thinking like, this kid's a moron. He's not, <laughs> going to amount to, he's not going to amount to much of anything. But also think about how we are, why it's important to invest in our kids, why it's important for us to continue to invest in our own relationship with God, why it's important for us to invest in the relationship we have in our spouse and with our neighbors and our friends and pursue God's word to fear the Lord to fear him, truly fear him, and what that means is to have reverence for him and to walk in obedience. What that really means is for us to let go of whatever it is that we're holding on to. You see, our, our children are our most precious, precious resource that we have to, we're, we're called to invest into them. But they have to be taught to fear the Lord, to have reverence for him. They have to be taught to let go. And that's something that we're having to continuously learn ourselves, and that's why it's important for us to know God's word, because what this word continues to let us know is, Stephen, just let go. Whatever it is you're holding on to, just let go. And pursue me with everything that you have.
And in verse 4, it says, yes, this will be the blessing for the man who fears the Lord. So we have to teach our kids to fear the Lord. But most importantly, we have to teach them what that actually means. And so for me as a dad of my three children, that's what I want to teach them more than anything, is that I want them to have a reverence for a God who's given everything on their behalf, who's given so much more than I can ever give them because I myself am just a broken metaphor in constant need of forgiveness and redemption. And so church, don't just teach your kids to come to church. Don't just drop them off in the children's ministry. Don't just read the Bible to them. Your job is to teach them what it means to truly fear the Lord, to truly fear God. And so there's, there's a purpose behind that in verse 4. It says, yes, there will be blessing for the man who fears the Lord. Yes, there, there's blessing for us who realize that reverence, but I want my children to be blessed as well. I want the children of my friends to be blessed as well. I want my children's children to be blessed, and that comes through fear of the Lord, to have a healthy reverence for who God is. And in verse 5, it says, May the Lord bless you from Zion. May you see the prosperity of Jerusalem all the days of your life. And so there's a collectiveness to this promise that he gives us. It says, if we fear him, but what if we fear him collectively? Church, what if we're together, unified in our pursuit of who Jesus Christ is? And what if we have a reverence for him together? What if we're pursuing him in obedience with togetherness, not just our own individual relationship. It says, the Lord bless you from Zion. May you see the prosperity of Jerusalem all the days of your life. And so church, are we blessing our community with what we've been given? Are we blessing the community with what we know? Are we blessing those around us with, with, with the, the reverence of knowing who God is? And so church, when I look around this room, I, I just... I pray that our community had 50,000 people just like y'all, willing to study God's word, willing to have a reverence for, for this God that's given all for us, walking in obedience together. Church, this community could be changed forever if we pursue him wholeheartedly together. So this blessing doesn't just re- isn't just promised to the dad. It isn't just promised to the mom. It isn't just promised to the kid. There's a collectiveness to this blessing. That if we fear the Lord and we have obedience to him, that there's community blessing involved as well. And so church, that's what I want to continue to see. I want to see our church, our community continue to be blessed because we have a healthy fear of God. I want to see our church continue to be blessed because we walk in obedience, unified in our pursuit of him together. And there's going to be labor attached to that. It's going to be challenging. It's going to be difficult at times. It's going to be frustrating at times. But blessing exists on the other side of that labor. So it's worthwhile. It's worthwhile to give all to the God that's given everything to you. And so in verse 6, it says, May you live to see your children's children peace be on Israel. Remember, church, fear of the Lord is the beginning of wisdom. Having reverence for him and knowing what he's done for you is the beginning of wisdom. So we don't serve only ourselves, but we serve our children's children. 
And so when he talks about peace on Israel, when you look at Scripture, you know, there wasn't a whole lot of peace a lot of times that existed in, in, in Israel. And so peace is not the absence of conflict, but it's the comfort of knowing the Lord. Peace is not the absence of, absence of conflict. It's the peace of knowing who God is and what he's done for you. So church, as we, we close out today, as we've gone through this entire long psalm this morning of six verses, as we get ready to leave this place, and whether we're going to our connect group or we're going to go serve in a ministry somewhere, or we're going home uh, to celebrate with our families and our dads, whatever it is that, that you're doing, I pray that you do it with a healthy fear of who God is. I pray that whatever you're doing, you're doing it out of obedience in your pursuit of him. So as we get ready to close, church, some of y'all still have your hand in that gumball machine. Some of you are still hanging on to whatever it is you want to hang on to. And we have a heavenly father telling us, like, I've got so much better for you. Just let go of the things that you're hanging on to. And you'll experience freedom. And so, church, our, our, our prayer for us, prayer for, 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 for Gateway, for me, is that we fear him collectively, that we walk in obedience, togetherness, that we have accountability with our brothers and sisters that we're sitting with right now, and that we will see blessing unlike we've ever seen before, and it comes through our labor of pursuing him. Church, let's pray. Lord, I come before you today. I thank you so much, Lord, for revealing so much of who you are in your word. Lord, the simplicity of the gospel and the blessing that, that exists in, in you just wanting to know us. And so, Lord, I pray, again, just as, as we go on about our day, Lord, that pray that we have a reverence for you. I pray we have a heart of obedience, that our, our lifestyle changes today. And so, Lord, I just pray for more of you above all else. In Jesus' name, amen.